morning, everyone. Count it a great privilege to be here this morning to share God's word. And I believe God is at work already because starting from the worship, God has been speaking. The song, The Good Father, is a description of what we're going to be hearing this morning. And uh, I want us to pray now. Father, we thank you because you are the good father. You love us irrespective of who we are. You love us so much. I will count it a great privilege to be sat this morning in your house. We ask that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, let your word come out with power. Let it break every chain. Let it break every wall. Let the captives be set free. Let there be deliverance, O God. And let the saints be edified. Your word says, when your word goes forth, it shall not return unto you void. Let the purpose be accomplished this morning as we listen to the parable that is more than a story in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series of teaching on the parables of Jesus. And the parables are more than stories because it uses simple things to illustrate God's truth. Today's topic is the prodigal son. And the text is taken from Luke chapter 15 from verses 11 to 32. For me and for many others, I suspect the focus has always been on the prodigal son, the bad boy. The younger son, after all, is the star actor in the parable because he was the bad boy. You know, in every movie, the star actor is usually the bad, the bad person. Anyway, this morning, I believe God wants us to take a fresh look at this parable. And just as the title states, it's more than a story. So I want us to take a balanced approach by taking a look at the characters in the story because it was just not about the bad boy. It was about two other persons. And I'm going to give a brief summary of the parable for the benefit of anyone here who might not know the story. It was about a family with two sons. The younger son asked his father for a share of the inheritance. And the father shared out the inheritance between the two boys, the older and the younger son. And the Bible records that not long afterwards, the younger son left the home for a distant country to enjoy his wealth in riotous living. And of course, the money finished. He became penniless not long afterwards. And then something happened. There was famine. So with no food to eat and no one to give him anything because no one had any extra to spare, he got a job looking after pigs. Well, and while considering his poor state, struggling with the pigs for food, he remembered home. He decided to return home to ask forgiveness and to be taken back as a slave, no longer his son. The interesting thing was, as he got home, his father welcomed him back with a party. And this angered his older brother, who felt cheated. So I want to start first by us understanding a little of the context of the story, what led to this story, 
who was telling the story and why did he tell the story and to who was he telling the story? In verse 1, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the tax collectors, became an offense to them. They were upset because of Jesus' dealings and mixing with the people they considered sinners, persons they felt were beneath them. And so Jesus told the first two parables in the book of Luke chapter 15 from verses 1 downwards. And the first parable he told, using objects that were familiar with them at that time and were of great value as of that time, he spoke of a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one got lost and he went looking for it. He then spoke of a woman who had 10 silver coins, one got lost, she looked for it, and both the shepherd and the women, the woman, called friends to rejoice because they found the sheep and the coin. And Jesus, in concluding each of the stories, said there was rejoicing in heaven when one single sinner repents. I can imagine the Pharisees and teachers saying, how does this affect me? I'm not a coin, I'm not a sheep. And after all, I'm not a sinner. For us this morning, I don't want us to be drawn into the arguments or the theology of why sheep or coin or, but it's significant to note here that in the same vein, another parable was told, this time of real people, me and you. Verse 11, Jesus continued. So in the same manner, he has spoken about the sheep, he has spoken about the coin, he continued. The New English Translation subheading for the prodigal son in that section of the Bible, I believe captures precisely what Jesus' message was and it still is today. A compassionate father. Summarized by this verse of the Bible, which I love so much. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever, two very different sons in the parable. So let's look at character one in the story, the younger son, the popular star actor in the story. And that's the long story there, which I've already summarized. He took four decisions. The first one, he asked and got his share of his father's inheritance. The second decision he took, left his home to enjoy the spoil. The third one he took was to find work to survive when the going got tough. And the fourth decision which he took was to return home as a slave to his father rather than suffer anymore. No reasons were given as to the trigger for the first decision to leave home. But if we can liken it to events of today, why people run away physically, or another category, emotionally. Emotionally, those that are still at home, yet have left home. For some in this category, the only difference between you and a non-Christian is that you go to church. 
or those that have turned away from God. And the reasons might be different. The reasons for running away physically, emotionally, or turning away from God, it might be peer pressure, getting involved with some bad friends, drugs, not feeling wanted or loved, the desire for adventure for some, confusion, or abuse, cases of abuse, the list is endless. But whatever the reasons, he left home, and the experience initially must have been wonderful. That's what, how it starts out. Very wonderful. The freedom to do whatever he wanted with no consequences at all. No reprimands, no one talking down. But this did not last long, sadly. All the money gone, but the bitter truth only sank in when famine struck. So you might wonder, was that coincidence or heaven's intervention to get his attention back? But the decision to return home was taken very interestingly while struggling for food with pigs. Maybe he might have stayed on if the famine did not happen at all. He might have just stayed back and just continue, maybe live on the streets or something. Well, I would say God definitely had his hand upon him. For he took steps and made that long journey back home. The very long journey back home. Interestingly, again, the Bible's description of his father's response to his request to take him as a slave rather than a son provides an understanding of the vast of the Bible that we read earlier, John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, For God so loved, so loved that he gave, that he made a way out. And so the rejoicing in heaven commenced just as the party took place in the Father's house. And let's look at character two. The older boy, the good boy. His reaction, some might think, well, I can't do that. My brother has just returned, my brother was missing. I can't do that. I possibly can't do that. While some might think, yes, of course, he was right. But let's take a closer look at the older brother. He had to live with the consequences of his younger brother's actions. When you take a decision, it doesn't only affect you, it affects the whole family. It affects a lot of persons. So he, the older brother, had to live with the consequences of his younger brother's action. First of all, he didn't ask for it. He got his own share of the inheritance. But unlike his brother, he stayed home, the good boy. But we can see his state of mind while he lived with the father all this while. It became very clear in his reaction to his brother when he returned and his reaction to what their father did. And there were three things that we can see from this. Number one, he missed the fact of who was he was and what access he had as a son. He missed that fact that he was a son. He said, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. So all these years, he was slaving. 
and he was a son. He missed the fact of who he was. He also missed the fact of what access he had as a son because he said he was slaving. The second thing he missed was he did it his own way. Maybe to please his father or to portray his brother in a bad light. The brother, after all, ran away from home. Or he did it to feel good. That was the second thing about the older brother. The third thing, he felt his brother did not qualify for sonship. After all, he had done damage to the family reputation. What would people say? He's back home, the black sheep of the family. And how do we know this? By the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the resentment that were all spewed out. How could father treat him this way despite his faithfulness? Father never even offered a goat to him to have a party with his friend. I can imagine that a goat must have been the least desirable thing to be used for celebrations back then. The father didn't even, never even thought about it. And looking at the older brother, the hard questions for us this morning as believers as we sit here is this. Do we really understand who we are in Christ? Do we really know we are sons? John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We don't realize the power that resides in us. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The second thing, do we know how to access our rights in Christ? Do we know how to get what we are supposed to have as children of God? Or again, do you think, I will do it my own way. I will work things out. And when I'm stuck, I'll cry out for help. Or another hard question I want us to ask ourselves as Christians as we are sat here this morning. Do you think some are unworthy of God's love? Oh, I don't understand why Jubilee lets in all kinds of people. It would be better to worship or it will be a better church or a better worship if there are no disruptions and we all sit here nice, quiet, and holy. I came across this quote some years back, the next slide, and I want to share it today, for I believe it says it all about the role of the church in God's plan. It says when the church functions as a cruise ship, God grounds because it was meant to be a lifeboat. I can empathize with the older brother's frustrations as Christians or believers in Christ because frustrations can result when things do not work out as planned or expected or hoped for, failed career, failed marriage, child running off, getting involved with the wrong friends and crowds, and the frustrations can mount. And the question is, God, can you not see? Can you not do something? 
2007 was a very crucial year for me in my career. We had just moved some few years before then into uh, another city in the northern part of Nigeria. We had moved from an extreme northern place to another northern one. And we had moved because of a lot of reasons. Number one, it was very unsafe to be a Christian in that place. And our lives were at risk. And so we had to uproot. My husband had to uproot his business and start in a new place. And I also had to leave my job as a pharmacist in that city, first of all, because I was working in a hospital and being a Christian there, I was not moving. I was not being promoted. First of all, I was placed on the wrong rank. And so I was frustrated. I left the hospital and opened a pharmacy. And because of the movement, I had to close that pharmacy and move to my, where we were. And it was the height of frustration because I was looking at my colleagues moving on. They had become chief pharmacists. They had almost reached the height of theirs. And there I was, I was not even a pharmacist, anything, pharmacy zero. And I was going for professional meetings. And when you have to write attendance and everybody's writing the name of where they worked, I didn't have anywhere to write. It was very frustrating. I stopped going for those meetings because I didn't have home address. And not only it, we're still struggling as a family to establish that business and things were not working well. And I was frustrated. I was very frustrated. And September 2007, I had to take my boys to school and we traveled to Lagos, a very big city in Nigeria. And we had the opportunity to stay in three different homes. And I tell you, they were very posh homes compared, compared to where we were now living in the city where we were. The first home, they had everything. The children had a car, the mother had a car, the father had a car. It was super. And it was like, and I was wondering, the two boys I had, I said, I wonder how they'll be feeling now. Anyway, but there was so much unhappiness in that home. And you could, it was palpable. You could feel it. You could feel it. We went to another one, and it was still the same kind of setup, very posh. But there was also problems there. And I was wondering what we're getting into. And we went to the third one. And I remember very well the cook coming up to one of the boys and asking each one of them, what would you like to eat? What would you like to eat? And I said, oh. And they were so surprised that they could give others for what they wanted to eat. But there was so much trouble going on in that home. And God took me to that place to be able to appreciate the things that money cannot buy that I had. And I remember telling the boys, I said, we might not have everything now. We might not have a cook telling you what do you want to eat. We might not have all the posh cars. But don't ever forget that your daddy loves you and your mommy loves you. That was a turning point for me. I knew that I had what God had given me that no one could take away from me. And not too long after I got a job that has that set the pace for things and where I am today. And it was appreciating the fact that there are certain things money can never buy. 
And it's only because of my foundation in Jesus that I have that and I have the understanding. So let's look at the last character, the main actor in this story, the father. What was the father's response? Two things. He divided to both sons the inheritance when the younger son asked. He didn't question. The next thing, he accepted the runaway son, the repentant son, back without question. You might be wondering why. Then, he reminded the older son of his identity and privileges as his child. He said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. He reminded him again of his ultimate purpose, the father's ultimate purpose, which was Jesus' response to the Pharisees and teachers of law that triggered the whole three parables. So drawing the two characters together and fitting it into the main character, the father's response, I want us to, I want to leave us with this question. And the question is, which among the two characters can I identify with? The older son who missed the point that older son can be likened to a fish who lives inside water and yet is thirsty. Or can you identify with the younger son who felt he was better off on his own, doing things his own way, not answerable to anyone but himself? We need to remember that we did not create ourselves. We are accountable to God. When all is said and done, and that is a sure end of story for everyone, and that is to give an account to our creator of how we live the life he gave us. The younger son was welcomed back because God's love never fails. He never stops loving. And he does not desire that any should perish. So in summary, the message, the key message are interrelated. And I want us to put the last slide on. It's more than a story. The three key things that come out in this Bible is that first, God loves everyone and that love is unending. He loves us. He loves you just as you are. He never can stop loving. Romans 5, 8 says, he demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners. He wants you to stop running. He wants you to come and live as his child. The second message like I said, it's interrelated. It's God's provision for his children. Jesus came that we may have full life. How am I missing out on this? As a believer, do I dare to step up my faith and step out in faith? 
to believe God for what he says and what he says he will do. The third key message, so related to the first two, is God's purpose for all. And that is none should perish. None should be lost. He wants us all to know that this is his ultimate plan. And that was the conclusion of the parable by Jesus in the chapter. So as we reflect on these three key messages, I want to begin to conclude by drawing our attention to the message last Sunday by Dan that I believe has set the pace for what God wants to do for us this year. As individuals, we need to ensure our foundation is properly done to withstand the storms. One of the things that he said that struck my mind was following Jesus is not a flexible option. And there is just one foundation we need, Jesus. And getting the foundation right means taking steps. And the first step is a foundation, to this foundation is obedience to God's word. That's the first step, to step out and stop running. This morning is another foundation laying opportunity. And I don't want any one of us to miss out. It might be the younger brother or the older brother, whatever you can identify with. Do you want to stop running or doing things your own way? It is either Jesus' way or nothing else. I say it again, it is either Jesus' way or nothing else. I want to challenge us this morning. We need to hand it over. Yes, we need to hand everything over to Jesus. The invitation is for whoever this morning. The opportunity to let go and let God. I would want to invite the band, please come forth now. The opportunity to let go and to let God. You know where you are on your journey this morning. To have that foundation right, it has to start with Jesus. And it's only Jesus that can help us withstand the storm. I want us to pray. And as our heads are bowed this morning, you know where you are. You know who you are. And there's opportunity to come out to pray, to take a decision. I want you to talk to God and be bold enough to step forward. I would like to invite you. That's such a key thing. There's two people in that story that Hanlon's mentioned. There is the older brother and there is the younger brother. For some of us here this morning, we've been running away from God. We've run away from the God who loves us. 
and we've got to stop running and we can come back to God and he embraces us. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus today. You need to respond to him. For many of us here, we are already Christians, but we're like the older brother. Sometimes we're still casting that judgment. We don't know who we are in Jesus. God calls us back to know him, that we are his sons. We are loved by him and therefore we love others. Can we just stand together? this bit for me because I want to call people to come to know Jesus so maybe you are the younger brother możliwe jesteś najmłodszym bratem wazmożna ty siwodnie jesteś samy maładoj brat you have not received Jesus into your life you've not decided to follow Jesus yet i nie decydowałeś się do tej pory przyjąć Jezusa do swojego serca Maybe you know that you have even been running away and now you realize you cannot do things by yourself. Today is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I need Jesus and I want to receive him. Dzisiaj masz możliwość, żeby powiedzieć tak, ja chcę zaprosić Jezusa do mojego serca. Masz możliwość zaprosić Jezusa do swojego życia dzisiaj. Maybe we're like the older brother. We all need to come to Jesus wherever we are today. Chodzi o to, że nawet my jesteśmy starsi, my wszyscy mamy możliwość przychodzić do Jezusa. So there's opportunity to come to Jesus. If you've got children, you do need to go and get your children. You can come back in and respond. But I know there's many people here who need to respond to Jesus. So as we sing this song, if you need Jesus this morning, whether you are the younger brother or the older one you come forward ask people to come forward. macie dzisiaj możliwość podejść i poprosić Jezusa 